so the Gita is something which is incredible. Every time you revisit it, you will pick up more knowledge. I don't think it is something where you can say, yeah, das par padli, ab ho gaya bohot. Now I don't need to do any more. Now we are going to start from verse 11. Now verse 11 onwards is the true essence of the Gita. The Vedantic philosophy starts from here. In 11 itself, Krishna says, you have grieved for those that should not be grieved for, yet you've spoken words of wisdom. The wise grieve neither for the living nor the dead. What Krishna says, Arjun is point one. Arjun, Arjun is grieving. He's grieving for those who should not be grieved for. He speaks the words of the wise, but the wise do not grieve neither for the living nor the dead. This starts the pure philosophy of the Vedanta, the very basis or essence of the Gita. Krishna tells Arjun, though you spoke words of wisdom, yet you express grief. There's a dichotomy in your statement. The wise do not grieve for neither the living or the dead. There's a very subtle sarcasm in what Krishna is saying because he is telling Arjun that what he's trying to tell Arjun is that in direct contrast to the words of wisdom that you spoke, so eloquently you talked so many words of wisdom, yet you are grieving. Arjun's condition, as we all know, was brought on by dis delusions and misapprehensions. Krishna tells Arjun, you quoted the Archastra, where it says, destroy all evil. But in the next breath, you contradicted yourself by quoting the Dharam Shastra, which says forgiveness is the path. One of the tenets of the Vedantic philosophy or the Vedantic way of life is active resistance to evil. True wisdom is to know when what knowledge is applicable. You can have a lot of knowledge. You can read all the Shastras. You can read all the Vedas, all the Puranas, all the Upanishads. Read every book under the sun. The knowledge is there, but true wisdom comes from knowing when to apply what knowledge. When you, when we are all in school, we learn a number of subjects in school, right from maths to science to English to history. But when you sit for a maths exam, you're not going to use the knowledge of history to answer that question, are you? Just learning is not enough. It is equally important to know where and when to apply that learning. That is true knowledge. And that was the sarcasm that Krishna was getting at when he told Arjun, spoke words of wisdom without application. So quoted a lot of knowledge of scriptures, of shastras, but did not know where to apply what. And wisdom, unless applied intelligently, is actually of no use to anybody and this is something we must always remember it is not just knowledge it is where to apply that knowledge that is equally if not more important one of the causes for arjun's suffering and distress was because he looked at his relatives friends and teachers and there was a huge sense of me mine I, the me, mine, I, you know, my relatives, my friends, my people. This came from a very strong sense of I. A person feels very strongly when he categorizes objects, people, things, circumstances, situations as his own, not as some others, but his own. We feel the strongest sense of grief when there's an I in place. Look at what is happening in Afghanistan. 
all of us across the world feel a sense of discomfort. But if we actually knew somebody who was there, who was suffering, then that would be more than discomfort, God forbid. You know, there was a relative, some a real loved one, then there would be anxiety, there would be an overwhelming sense of grief. So the I, when the I comes into place, the grief and the discomfort becomes very high. How come we are not feeling that same grief and discomfort about everybody in Afghanistan? Because we are not connected. It's happening with a, a social moralistic sense of correctness. We are not happy with what is happening. We are uncomfortable, We are, but we are not in distress. The distress only happens when there's an attachment. And this is what Krishna is trying to tell Arjun, that he's trying, the point he's trying to make to Arjun is, it is because of your sense of I, that there is a sense of discomfort. It is the ego. Ego, which is the source of all grief, worry, fear, and confusion. Rediscovering ourselves to be higher than the I, to be higher than the ego. This identification that Arjun felt, my brothers, my cousins, my relatives, my teachers, my I. If he got over that, he would get over attachments. What Krishna here is trying to explain to him is the basic tenets of Vedic philosophy, which is attached, detached, be attached, care. It is good to care. It is normal and human to care, but care with a sense of detachment attachment where you are not getting so attached the way Dhritarashtra was as we saw in chapter one. It was his tremendous sense of attachment to the throne, to the power, to his children that led him down the path of a dharma where he permitted everything that was happening. That form of attachment is what Krishna is trying to say is not the correct form of attachment. We need to be attached to the point of caring but we need to be detached because you need to understand everything in this world is finite. Everything ends and that detachment can only come with the understanding that the whole world is finite. It is not infinite. Not you, not the world, not anybody around you. So what Krishna is really trying to explain here is the basic principle of detaching. And to detach, you have to, you have to distance yourself from your ego. You have to distance yourself from that I, the I that becomes so powerful that it creates that, you know, the I, my brother, my sister, my cousin, my career, my business, my money, all these result in tremendous attachment, which then give us grief, sorrow, discomfort, confusion, pain, name it, what have you. The same things if we could, you know, separate ourselves a little bit, and realize that apna to kuch bhi nahi hai. nothing is ours. Everybody has their own paths. Everybody is finite. Businesses are finite. They're up one day, down another. The very structures you live in are finite. They are going to corrode. They are going to fall down. We see all the ruins around us, all the forts, all the palaces. Look at all the dynasties that have come and gone. Finite. 
everything in this world is finite. And that is the very basic principle that Krishna was trying to get across. He says that you have grieved for those who should not be grieved for, meaning Bhishma, Pitama and Drona. They are mortal. Their, uh, their might, their power, their everything does not come from their body. It comes from their mind, from their intellect. In case of death, all that is going to go is their physical body not their achievements. Here Krishna is giving a twofold message. The first message is that the body perishes not the achievements which is true for every one of us. The deeds that one does are eternal. What we do, how we behave leaves behind either an aroma, a beautiful fragrance no fragrance, neutral, that means we made no waves in the world we belong to, or leaves a very bad smell. That is what is achievement, not the body, not the physical form, which is what Arjun was looking at in spite of all his words of wisdom. Arjun was only looking at the physical form that he saw Bhishma Pitama, he saw Dronacharya. He was not being able to understand the real from the unreal, the infinite from the finite. All of us need to remember that what we are going to, and this is so true, what we are going to leave behind are our actions not the persona, not the money we earned. What we did with that money, how we behaved, how we reached out to people, that is the first first of the twofold message that Krishna was trying to give to Arjun about the body is going to perish, what is going to stay back are the achievements and the greatness of the superiority of people like Bhishma Pitama and Dronacharya did not come from their physical persona from that body that they were wearing in, the, in that lifetime. It came from what they had achieved and how much they had achieved. The second, second message that he was giving in that was that what is real and what is unreal. When you're a great soul, when you're a realized soul, when you understand, you understand the difference between the real and the unreal. And when you understand that, then it is possible to achieve a state of detachment. And let's not misunderstand detachment to being cold. No, it's not. When you're detached, it doesn't make you cold, it doesn't make you selfish, it doesn't make you self-centered, it doesn't do any of that. In fact, it makes you a better human being because when you are detached, you act, you don't react. We react when we are attached. Every form of attachment creates a reaction in us. Detachment means our actions are, we are taking actions, not reactions. And usually when we act and not react, it is correct. Actually, most of the time it's correct. Even if it is, I, from my personal experience, I've realized that when I act, normally it's always correct. It's only when I react. The wrong words come out of my mouth, the wrong actions happen, the wrong gestures happen, the wrong facial expressions happen. All those are reactions. So actions usually are always correct. When you are a realized soul, 
लाग धोना चाह रहे हो और भीष्म पितामह द दे डिड नॉट हैव द फीलिंग्स ऑफ आई माय माइंड आई मी माय सेल्फ दे वर विद साइडेड विद द कौरवानी even though they loved the pandavas equally if not more because they understood the difference between the real and the un- unreal the soul and the body they understood that there is no point grieving for the unreal or the finite which is the mortal form of the bodies you know it's the body is like or a lifetime is like a wave when you are when you are on a beach and you see the waves come and go you don't grieve for the waves that have gone because what has happened the infinite is the water the waves are finite it's like the bodies bodies will come bodies will go we will take this body discard it take the next body the soul is the infinite it never goes it never dies it was there in the past it's there in the present it's there in the future when the soul is infinite why grieve for this body it's just a body it's meant to come and go you know to understand this a little better when we bring home a pet let's say we bring home a dog we know the dog has a finite lifetime it is 12 maybe 15 years of life that dog becomes a member of our household it becomes a part of our heart i can honestly say for my dogs they are as much a member of this household as anybody else absolutely adored and spoiled to the t but from the day you bring that dog into your house you let them into your house you let them into your heart you know they have a finite life you know that it's numbered 12 maybe up to 15 years if you are lucky we are able to deal with the grief of letting them go when that time comes why are we able to deal with that grief yes we feel the grief yes we got to feel the pain yes we're going to feel a slight void in our hearts because they've been a part of our hearts part members of our household but we are able to let them go because from the day we brought them we understood one simple fact they have finite life span they are not going to go on forever and ever and ever if the same understanding could be translated to every person in our life to ourselves too we have finite lifetimes this body is a mechanism it is going to stop for whatever the reasons are young old very old we don't know but it is going to come to a come to an end from the day we take our first breath the only constant that we are 100% sure of is that we are going to take our last breath that is the only constant in our life everything else is subject to vagaries of life the only difference between us and that dog is that we can't number our years as 12 15 20 50 100 we can't but it does not change the fact that it is a finite lifetime that is the crux of understanding the the real and the unreal which is a the philosophy behind the gita which is the philosophy of the vedanta the real is unperishable the unreal is perishable so what is unreal 
everything around us because everything around us is perishable including us ourselves attachment to the unreal should not happen attach but not attached to the point of it becoming debilitating if you understand the real from the unreal the soul is unperishable the soul is infinite it goes on forever and ever and ever this is what krishna was trying to tell arjun that arjun's grief in spite of quoting all the scriptures and in spite of spouting so much of wisdom so much of knowledge his grief about the perishing of the bodies of his relatives is misplaced it is the consequence it is the result of actually application of right knowledge arjun did not apply all the knowledge at the right time which is why he had this grief and that is why he was asked by krishna why the grief when you've spouted words of wisdom then where is the grief coming from what krishna was trying to tell arjun is look at all these people standing in front of you not as human beings look at them as souls the soul is immortal it is there forever you are grieving for something that is eternal the souls of all these people are eternal why grieve there is absolutely no need to grieve it is a fool who grieves for something that is eternal the wise do not mourn for the dead or for the living there is there are no living or dead in the sense that there are bodies that are alive and once the body is removed basically your body is like garments you wear when you're done with the garment you discard it and pick up a new garment do you grieve over changing a set of clothes no you don't similarly the soul is not going to grieve about changing a set of clothes which is the body in its current form all it does is discards this body and goes on to a new what he what krishna did to arjun was gave him the knowledge of self this is the knowledge of self there is the real or the unreal there is the infinite or the finite anything that is perishable is finite what is eternal is infinite and if you boil everything away the only infinite is the soul the only constant is death it is inevitable the moment you worn this body as a garment from your first breath it is going to start to perish now how long it takes to perish we don't know but perish it is going to so grieving over something that is so perishable is not called wisdom krishna says there's no time in the past that i did not exist not you not these kings and there will not be a time in the future when we will not ex- exist he explains the continuity of the soul he explains how a soul has a soul path right from the beginning of the soul it is on a pilgrimage where it takes different bodies temporarily to gain experience to learn discards that body moves on to the next body here krishna has explained the theory of reincarnation 
You know, surprisingly, reincarnation is not just a part of the Hindu philosophy. It is there in Christianity. When Christ spoke of John the Baptist, that John the Baptist was Elijah reborn. It is there in Matthew 11.11. It was there in the Jews. The book of Solomon says to be born in a sound body with limbs is a reward of virtuous past lives talks of reincarnation. Even in Islam, it says death is not seen as a termination of life rather than a continuation of life in another form. So every philosophy, every religion, every culture talks of the soul being eternal. It is not limited to just the Hindu philosophy. Krishna repeats to Ajahn that Bhishma Pitama, Drona, and other stalwarts like that, Kripacharya, none of these deserve grief because their souls are eternal. By grieving for them, you are bringing something infinite, something huge, and narrowing it down into a very finite sphere. Because when you grieve for somebody that's gone, basically what you're saying is that the person is finished, it's over, nothing's left, but that is not true. Because firstly, the soul has moved on to another body, to another journey. Secondly, they're also eternal, they're amad to that extent with the deeds, their accomplish, uh, accomplishments. Everything that they did, they're living on in a number of ways. He says, these kings, Krishna tells Arjun, these kings existed before you and will not cease to exist in the future. There are two things in the world, the soul which is real and the body which is unreal. Both these, be it the soul or the body, should not be grieved for because we do understand the body is perishable, the soul is not. When you know something is perishable, you don't grieve for it. You should not grieve for it because in your mind, in your heart, in your head, you know it is perishable. It is going to go. There's no point grieving for the soul because that is eternal. Nothing is going to harm, harm it. It's not going to come to an end. Krishna in stanza 12 speaks of the immortality of the self or the soul. He says the self, the soul exists past, present, future. It just takes on different bodies temporarily to face challenges, learn life's experiences, learn life's lessons, and then move on. Krishna goes on to explain to Arjun that all these people who've met in the battlefield, it's not accidental. None of what is happening is accidental. And even if they die in the battlefield, they are not going to cease to exist in the future. What he's trying to explain is the soul part. When there is a soul, it is born, it goes on its journey, lifetime to lifetime to lifetime. Between each lifetimes, it has a life between life period. In that life between life period, it goes through what it went in the last lifetime, what were the lessons it learned, what were the challenges it faced, what are the further lessons and challenges it needs to face, and then chooses a body that will give it the right experience in the next lifetime. And this is a cycle that continues and continues. The soul is the same, 
just a new set of clothes. So what is carrying with it are all the past life memories. Every past life memory is carried. Nothing is lost. It is like when you go to sleep. Your body existed before you went to sleep. It existed during sleep and it continues to exist when you wake up. That is exactly what the soul is. It existed before this lifetime. It is existing in the current lifetime and is going to continue to exist in the next lifetime as well. This is beyond, this existence of the soul is beyond time and space. It is eternal. It is always there. The soul will always exist. Compare the soul to the mud. There's mud. The potter picks it up, makes a pot out of it. The essence is still the mud. It's just the shape has changed. The pot breaks. The pot has gone. The mud still exists. The soul is like that. The destruction of the body does not destroy the soul. So Arjun should not grieve for his relatives out of fear of the fact that they are gone or they're destroyed or they're dead because all that is going to die is the body which is perishable in any case the soul is eternal it is not going to die it is not going anywhere it is just going to jump from this body into another body and from there we come on to he continues krishna continues in stanzas 13 saying the same way as the soul goes from childhood to youth to old age the soul passes from one body to another the wise know this and thus have no grief basically what happens is the soul carries all the memories and knowledge of all lifetimes there is a continuity of existence this continuity of existence is explained in stanza 13. To enter youth, childhood has to die. To enter maturity, youth has to die. To enter old age, maturity, I mean middle age has to die, not maturity, middle age has to die. But even though the youth has gone, middle age has gone, childhood has gone, the memories haven't gone. The memories are still there. The same way, the soul will discard the old body through death to enter a new one. The new body is chosen dependent on your mental growth, on your thoughts, on your karmas, which happened in the previous lifetime, and that is how you choose the next body. There is always continuity. A current birth definitely has a reference from a previous birth, a previous lifetime, that is, there is that string of continuity. We decide what lifetime we take, what parents we are born to, what kind of experiences we are going to go through. This is all decided by our soul in that life between life period. When the soul sits down and then it figures. So, in my last birth, I was a king. I was very rich. Now my next birth, I've faced some challenges in my last birth. My next birth, I'm carrying the karmas from that forward. So if I was a good benevolent king, I'm going to carry that karma. If I was, if I was a miserly, lousy administrator, I'm going to carry those karmas. The karmas plus the challenges we need to face and learn 
is how we decide what is the next lifetime we are going to take. We are also carrying forward a lot of emotions, thought characteristics. Has it ever, I mean, when you see a child and that child is so different from the parents, from the household, where is that difference of character, characteristics, nature coming from? In a household where everybody is shouting, screaming all the time, and then suddenly this child is born who's all smiles and happy. I actually know one such household where the father is a type A person, very hyper. The mother is a type A person, very hyper. And they have this beautiful three-year-old who's like sunshine. She is, whenever she enters the room, it's like she brings sunshine into the room. So where is she getting this from? Genetics on the parents? Probably not because both the parents are not sunshine. She's probably carrying that forward from a past life. She's carrying the characteristics, carrying the traits, and that is continuity of the soul, which is what Krishna is trying to explain to Arjun, that the soul is imperishable. Actually, what Vedvyas is trying to show us through chapter 2 from stanza 11 onwards and especially stanza 11 12 and 13 are the very basic fundamental principles of Vedantic philosophy the real the unreal the finite the infinite the soul in one's body is the same it never changes so to grieve for something that is eternal is stupid foolhardy that is what krishna tells arjun that you would be a fool to grieve for something that is eternal that is always there it's the same as in the childhood the same as in the youth and the same as in the old age similarly the soul is the same irrespective of what body it is inhabiting at that time childhood youth old age are only with respect to the physical body the soul does not undergo any changes it remains the same in all three stages of our body experiences in our physical body as we are right now we have been through infancy childhood youth a middle age old age the body changed the soul did not. The soul was still the same. It was the same soul when we were a child. It's the same soul when we are going to be old and no teeth, can't see, can't walk without a walking stick or a walker. The soul is the same. It hasn't changed. It hasn't grown old. It hasn't grown younger. It has stayed. What has changed is the physical body. The physical body is what is perishable. It is what is deteriorating. It is what is going through the changes from infancy to old age. All through this, the constant, the infinite, the real is the soul. I am does not change. What I am may change. I am is the soul. What I am, young, old, very old, middle-aged, that is what will change. A wise person, and this is what Krishna is again telling Arjun, a wise person is not confused or overpowered by such changes. If one thinks that I change from childhood 
to youth to old age to like the eye itself is changing from the eye of the childhood to the eye of the youth to the eye of the old age and to another eye in another body then you understand the question that you ask is that eye who recognizes these changes in the eyes that eye that eye that knows it that eye that has that knowledge the eye that is all seeing is the atma the soul the self which is eternal which is all pervading and is never subject to change what he is trying to say here is there is an eye which is outside of you which is your soul and there is that eye which is your ego which is inside you the eye the eye outside is watching the changes but that eye itself is unchangeable it is eternal that is the soul the real the atma the infinite the self does not die the atma does not die when childhood died and moved into you that self that atma did not die when you died and moved into old age the i did not die that self did not die the soul did not die it just moved on and this atma passes the soul this eternal self passes unchanged from one stage to another to another as it passes in your physical body which is going from infancy to old age to death similarly it is passing from one body to another body the simile that vidyas made in this was the way infancy has to die to move into childhood similarly the soul has through death moved from one body to another body that's all it is it will carry the memories it will carry all the learnings but it will discard one to move into another you cannot have a new beginning without something coming to an end for the soul to move into another lifetime into another body to get new experiences new learnings new challenges the old body has to perish and die that is only when it can make the jump otherwise it gets trapped forever and ever and that does not happen with the infinite it never gets trapped change is constant and this is the fundamental principle of the vedantic philosophy of the gita of the vedantic way of life and this has been repetitively summed up for arjun by krishna again and again and again and we are going to end this session at this point because it's a lot to take away but to sum it up to understand something very simple there is the real there is the unreal there is the infinite there is the finite to have grief over something that is unreal and finite is uh somebody who's not knowledgeable somebody who's a fool somebody who's stupid would do that the moment you have an understanding of the two the differences between the two you do not grieve for something that is perishable in any case you know when we get excessively forget of the body forget death 
but even when we get unnecessarily attached to material things we get attached to money we get attached to a car we get attached to jewelry we get attached to like there are so many infinite infinite things that we get attached to for what are we getting attached to all this stuff sab chhod ke jana hai we are not carrying anything with us the soul the actual resider of this body does not need any of this what the soul is going to carry forward with it is going to be good deeds good wishes is going to carry love is going to carry good karmas it will also carry bad karmas so let's not accrue those let's feed the soul instead of feeding the body which is perishable in the first place let's start feeding that soul inside us which is infinite which is eternal which is so much a part of us this very existence is because of that soul so let's start feeding that instead of feeding any and everything else around